flags of doom unfurl. And that's when Blaine Kylo appears. Hi, Blaine. How are you? I'm well, Martin. How good. are you? Good, good, good. Uh, things are good in the world of uh, high technology. Are, is this an exciting time? Is it uh, it's kind of a slow time of the year because it's after Christmas? We're, we're through the slow time and we're back to the things are happening. Um, the consumer tech world is starting to pick up again and the gaming stuff is starting to pick up because summer is just around the corner and we need to have things to play. Yeah, that's true. And I really want to get into the consumer tech, but let's start with the video games because they're starting to drop a lot of video games like Nintendo. Uh, they're, they're giving us a glimpse of the new Zelda game. Yeah, among other things. Today was the latest Nintendo Direct. This is Nintendo's regular opportunity where they talk directly to their fans in online presentations. And so there's a whole bunch of things that happened. There's a new Pikmin game coming out. This is a really fun game where you actually have to control a troop of these little crazy creatures and you solve environmental puzzles with them. So there's a new one of those coming there's a series of games from Nintendo called Professor Layton Games, and these are all games that are filled with logic puzzles. They're always fun to play, so there's a new Professor Layton game coming. There's a new Tron game coming from Mike Bithel and Bithel Games, which looks really interesting, set in that Tron world, and that will be coming this spring, summer to the Nintendo Switch. But two really big things happened one of them was a shadow drop of Metroid Prime Remastered. So this is a game that people knew was kind of in the works, a remastered version of a game that came out in 2002 for the Nintendo GameCube. And not only was it announced today, but it was actually released today. The game actually hit the Nintendo Switch eShop today and it's playable on your Nintendo Switch now. You can get a boxed version on February 22nd if you want. But then the real showstopper was the latest look at The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This is a highly anticipated game. People have been asking about it on the show, actually, the past couple of weeks. It comes out on May 12th. And so we got another glimpse today of what it looks like. The new trailer, it's about two and a half minutes long, shows off this expansive world. One of the things that Breath of the Wild, which was the immediate predecessor to Tears of the Kingdom, one of the things that set it apart from other Zelda games was just how vast and massive the environment was. And it wasn't just big, but you could see how big it was. So when you were standing as Link anywhere in the environment, the horizon line just keeps going on and on and on, and it really gives you a sense of the scale. And we have that again in Tears of the Kingdom, but what they've added to it is an entire skyscape. And so in the same way that in the Avatar movies, you have floating rocks and things like that, right. we've got that in the new environment in Tears of the Kingdom. And so a really masterful environment, um, May 12th is when everybody's going to be booking off a day or two uh, because they're going to want to be playing Tears of the Kingdom on their Switch. Wow, because Zelda, uh, that's been around forever. And uh, I, I guess it, also you mentioned Tron, too, because Tron seems to be uh, just unstoppable. I, it, maybe Tron was a little ahead of its time, but 
But I guess that's what Nintendo does well. They they keep reimagining and reinventing games like Zelda. Yeah, they're really fun worlds to be in. And you're right, Zelda has been around forever. And if you think back to the very first Zelda game, you could only move up and down. You couldn't couldn't even move in a diagonal. You only had a two-dimensional screen. Everything was pixelated. And yet it was the most compelling thing we had ever played. And you go from there to where we are now, these fully realized 3D worlds with artwork that has um, some real um, some real beauty to it, frankly. And it's one of the reasons that people might want to be thinking about getting the, um, the collector's edition when this thing comes out, because... With the collector's edition, you actually get a um, a book of artwork from the game, and you get a poster that really shows off some of the the beauty that has gone into the creation of this thing. Yeah, because I, I remember Zelda in the old old days, and it was you know it was just slightly better than Pong. But that's that's a million dollar idea you can have if you took Pong and then made it as modern as these games. I wonder if you could do that. You could absolutely do it. I do not know that the gameplay loop of a thing going back and forth across the stream is as compelling as you remember. Well, no, it it was compelling, but I'm thinking you use that as a starting point. Like maybe Pong, the character of Pong is a tennis player or something. And it's all about, and, and, and it all has that sort of movement to it. But then, of course, it's all these crazy worlds that you can get into. I don't know, maybe it, you know, needs some R&D. But I think it's an idea that that uh, that could be there. Like the brand recognition for Pong is big. Uh, you might you might you might have another career uh, coming here, Martin. I'm an idea guy, basically. There you go. Um, yeah, and the PlayStation Dual Sense Edge. This is like a controller. It is a controller. It's an expensive controller. It's two hundred and seventy dollars, which boy. is you know three times more costly than what you would typically pay. But the reason people are going to pay that for the DualSense Edge is because it's a completely customizable controller. So you can change out the buttons, you can change out the triggers, you can change the settings on them. So the triggers, and one of the things that Sony's done with their PlayStation 5 controllers is they've got haptics built in. And so when you pull those triggers, like if you're firing an arrow or firing a gun or something like that, that the triggers respond so that it almost feels like you're pulling back the string of a bow or you're pulling the squeezing the trigger of a weapon and you can adjust that with the dual sense edge you can swap out the triggers for different kinds of triggers if you like paddles instead of triggers better you can do all kinds of things to map the buttons so if you want the x button to do something other than what the game developers have designed it to do you can remap those buttons any way you want. And most importantly, if you prefer a different button setting for different games, you can actually program them into the device. So if you're playing a first-person shooter game and then you're going to go and play an open-world action-adventure game, you can have those settings saved in the controller itself. And with the tap of a button, you can change that configuration when you change the game that you're playing. It's a beautiful device. It's got 
just the right weight. It's got just the right balance and it's got a really nice crisp response. So it's expensive. Yes, it's not going to be for everybody, but if you're the kind of gamer who really likes that feel in your hands and you want to customize the controller, the DualSense Edge is a very slick device. We're talking to Blaine Kylo. It's the technological world. You're, you're a dad, right? Blaine? I am. You yes. must be the greatest dad of all time. Yeah, well, yeah. I there is a benefit to having the consoles and the games in the house. Yeah. So yeah, it, that's, that's some drawbacks because <laughs> the kids think they, they can always have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my son grew up to work in the video game industry, so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, that's kind of a cool thing. But let's move on to your your house and all the consumer tech that's coming out now. Your house must be fully uh, decked out with every little technological device there is. Yeah, we've got a lot to play with. And, you know, home automation is one of the areas that I've been exploring and playing around with for a long time. And because I've been doing it from the beginning, I've got a house that's filled with all these different things, right? So I've got Samsung devices and I've got the Philips Hue bulbs and I've got Apple devices and I've got Google and Amazon and they're all on their different systems. And so I've got all of these different apps and I've got all of these different things that I need to be able to run things. Matter is a new standard that is going to change all of that for us. It's a standard, a communication standard, and all of the major device makers have agreed to support this standard. And so we're getting to a future in the very near term here where you can have all of these different devices and you can have them all work together and you're not going to have to have a thousand different devices. You're not going to have to have a handful of different apps that you're using, you're only going to need to have one. And so um, you can choose the environment that you want to be in. And if you choose Apple or if you choose Google, Amazon's devices are still going to work. Samsung's devices are still going to work. Right. So there's not going to be this gate anymore. And you're talking about working um, the television and it, uh, that. W w is it everything in the home? Every, not not immediately. Right now, what the devices that have matter support are things like light bulbs and electrical plugs and like TVs. Down the road, not too far away, we're going to be able to have garage door openers and smoke detectors and, and all of those kinds of things are also going to be added to the standard. But right now, um, you're going to be, all of the devices are being built with matter in them. So if you're getting any new smart home device from any of the major manufacturers, they will support matter. And if you've got recent devices that can be updated online, those devices will have matter support updates coming to them. So we're pretty close to being able to have one app. And you're going to be able to use that one app and control all of your devices, no matter who they come from. And I just wanted to let you know, when we were talking about video games, because you mentioned the new Zelda game, that everyone's really excited. You mentioned that Metroid game, and uh, both Ryan O'Donnell and uh, Jonathan Chung both put their arms up and waved. They were so excited. So uh, that's a good sign. Yeah, well, the Metroid Prime, the Metroid series is really important in the history of video games, actually, because the first Metroid game introduced a character in Samus Aran, and this is coming at a time when all protagonists for video games were male, 
And it wasn't until the very end of the game that when Samus removed the helmet that they had been wearing the entire time, that all of the gamers who had loved this game so much realized that they had been playing as a female protagonist the whole time. So it's it's got a real history um, in, in video game lore. And the Prime series is what brought Samus into three-dimensional environments. It's quite an accomplished game, and having it remastered is is something special. Very cool. And we were talking about consumer tech, and uh, you mentioned Matter, the, the new smart home spec. Uh, and then the Echo Show. I'm looking at it. I have no idea what it is. Well, this is Amazon's smart speaker that has a screen built into it. And so the... The Alexa devices, they come in a, in a bunch of different ways. And the Echo is the smart speaker. And the Echo Show is a smart speaker with a screen on it. And these things are super convenient, actually, because if you, you, you can play music on them, you can use them to listen to the radio, but you can also get video clips. So we've got one in our kitchen, and it's fantastic because we can use it for... Um, cooking videos and things like that, or it can display recipes for us if we need to. But one of the things that's always problematic is if you use your Echo Show as a timer, so instead of having to use a stove, you can just call out to the Echo Show and say, hey, set a timer for five minutes. But when the timer goes off, you always had to like tap the device to turn it off, which Sometimes you don't want to tap the screen on a digital device because you've got mucky hands or sticky hands or something because you're in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. You don't have to tap it anymore because Canadian Echo Show devices have now got gestural interfaces built into it. So now you can just wave your hand when that alarm goes off and the alarm goes off. It uh, You don't need to touch the device anymore. You can just sort of raise a hand. So if you've ever wanted to raise your hand to Alexa, now you've got a reason to. Wow. So, th so this is going to replace the smart speaker. Well, it is a smart speaker. It does right. all of these things. So it is a speaker with a screen, and it can do everything you want it to do. You can even make calls. You can make video calls on it. Oh, neat. So uh, futuristic. And I recently got Roku for my TV, and it's been a game changer for me. It's kind of consolidated all the different streaming channels and stuff. And, and I... I don't know anything about this, but I know Amazon has their own version of that. So where do you see this going? What is the TV of the future going to look like? Yeah, there's there's kind of different aspects to it. You've got your TV manufacturers, and then you've got the, the companies like Roku that are actually building the, the software that runs on the TVs. And Amazon is kind of doing both of those things at the same time with their fire devices. So they've got manufacturers building TVs for Amazon and they put their software into those TVs and those are Amazon Fire TVs. What Roku is doing is they're partnering with manufacturers and saying, hey, you build the TVs and we're gonna put the software in there. And Roku is also branched out into providing they're actually a streaming service now too, which is a really interesting move for them because as you've already witnessed, you've experienced this yourself, yeah. the Roku software is very good. It's very usable. It's easy. It's really easy to find the I things really, you want to watch. I really, really love it. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're kind of running out of time, but I really enjoyed this. Blaine, Kylo, thanks for being here. Of course, Martin.